Hey there, and thank you for tuning in to this edition of While We Were Working. It's the show that helps you become a better people leader in your business. We've got a awesome show for you today. We're talking about independent contractors and some new changes that are happening to laws that you need to know about no matter where you are in the United States. And then we're going to talk about a question that comes up quite a bit here at Jumpstart, and that's when should your business take HR seriously? Is it an employee size? Is it a length of time in business? We're going to chat about it in detail. And when I say we, I'm talking about myself, Joey Price, as well as Summer Ketchaw, our consulting practice manager here at Jumpstart and uh, my awesome co-host. So Summer, how's it? How's it going? Thanks for being here as always. Thanks, Joey. And thanks, everybody, for joining our show. It's another great week and it looks like we have some amazing topics to talk about. You know, it's a new year. There's a lot happening in the people leader and small business space. And well, I'm here for it all and look forward to our discussions today. Yeah, awesome. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's let's start with uh, Summer, if you don't mind, setting up our While We Were Working segment and talk about this article from HR Executive Magazine. All right. Well, let's get it started. The While We Were Working segment of our show is where Joey and I scour the web. We read, read, read magazines blogs, anything we can get our hands on. We try to pick something that catches our eye that we think our listeners and our followers would enjoy hearing us speak about. And of course, with the new year, Joey, there are so many new rules. And even for us, it's hard to keep track of. Uh, and you know, this is the space that we work in. But we do a good job at it. And I love sharing this information with those that follow our show so that you know, maybe if they didn't quite hear that, you know, something might be impacting their business, we're here to help them out with it. Yeah. And no matter the size of your business, this conversation is super important for independent contractors because whether you're a small business starting out and your initial response is, let's grow with contractor work. Or if you are a large business and you want to expand your capabilities, maybe acquire talent quickly, and you may say, let's reach out to independent contractors. Um, I think this new law change is uh, incredibly important to pay attention to because not only is it an HR issue, but it can be a financial one too. Uh, if there are fine, as there are fines and fees associated with, with non-compliance here. So uh, do we want to jump into maybe some context around this this new Department of Labor independent contractor rule? Um, what is it there to combat? And uh, you know maybe even the, the 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 six factors of the economic realities test that that uh, comes into play. All right, let's do it. And if you're curious which article we're talking about today, I mean, there's a ton of information about this change all over the web. But I happen to reference an article that came out on January 19th in HR Executive Magazine. And the title of this article is called New Independent Contractor Rule Signals a Busy Year for Compliance. And well, I think that's saying it quite simply. But in case you missed it, on January 11th, uh, the DOL, uh, Department of Labor, 
did issue a new rule on independent contractors. And Joey, you and I talk about this a lot. We talk about it along with our clients about, well, first, like, why do these types of laws even exist? And if you think about some of the impact that classifying a worker as an independent contractor versus an employee, uh, the impact that they, that may have, there's quite a bit a lot of benefits that are lost to a worker uh, if they aren't classified as an employee. So that's kind of at, at the heart of it. And now what we see in practice sometimes is that some companies either for the sake of maybe not knowing the difference in these classifications or, you know, maybe they started out with contractors because they were very small and they, you know, they they thought that that was the right arrangement for them. Um, perhaps at some point realizing that maybe that's not the right classification and then converting them to employees. So if any of those sound familiar, you're going to want to listen up so that we can talk through a little bit more about this new rule. And and Joey, uh, I'm, I'm sure you would agree. Um, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, it could be its own. It could be its own podcast. It could be its own masterclass. In fact, uh, this topic isn't isn't new to me. I believe um, when when there was a lot of conversation around whether Uber drivers and Lyft drivers are employees versus contractors, I was on a show called the American Law Journal, and we talked through the merits of uh, allowing independent contractors to be. Uh, contractors versus the uh, employment route. Uh, so, so that was a, several years ago. But, but yes, to your point, it is is incredibly important because if you think about the different vantage points from this conversation, uh, usually, or maybe not, I won't say usually, but many people who go the independent contractor route do so because they wish to have their own fate in their own hands and perhaps build some form of business enterprise. So uh, that gives them flexibility, uh, you know, ability to have their earning potential in their hands. And so that's a, a one vantage point. Um, but for the employer, you know, they may be looking at an independent contractor from the standpoint of, we will make the determination to grow our team with an independent contractor because it's some words I hear people say is it's simple. It's easy. I pay a bill rate. There's, there aren't the additional benefits, fees, so on and so forth. Um, but, but, but what the department of labor is looking to do is to cut through all of that and have a clear test, a clear frame of reference of whether a laborer, is um, truly an independent contractor or if they are an employee and uh, because the employees come with certain rights and responsibility, independent contractors come with certain rights and responsibility and never the two shall meet. Uh, so when we think about, you know, this year, uh, it was supposed to be, be better for the economy than last year and uh, people moving around it's important to pay attention to how you are growing your team, adding members to your team, uh, adjusting your team, 
and doing it with the right the right reference point for employees versus versus contractors. Yes, and it's definitely a topic of hot discussion. And just to kind of demonstrate that, the prior rule um, that was in effect uh, kind of goes back to 2021. And for those of you that maybe aren't so close as to the process, I'm, I'm going to simplify it. Uh, there's essentially a comment period right before these uh, laws go into effect. And it, it gives, you know, really the opportunity for uh, folks to provide their feedback on it before it goes into effect. And I saw a fun fact, Joey, that there was over 55,000 comments received on on this before it went into effect over a 61-day period. That's almost uh, right. It's almost a thousand a day. That's pretty crazy, right? Great math. But I the reason I mentioned that is because there's uh, a lot of opinions about this. It can have a a real impact on workers uh, and companies. But at at the heart of it, again, you know, I kind of draw us back to like, well, why, like, why does this exist, and why has it changed? So. You know, at the heart of it, it exists to um, ensure that uh, there are stronger worker rights uh, and that there are not individuals being misclassified um, to ultimately have, you know, what they would consider like wage theft. Individuals not receiving uh, essentially like the whole package of benefits that an employee would. So it's it's really to protect workers. Um, the acting secretary um, of labor, Julie Sue, emphasized that um, this rule um, emphasizes the significance of protecting workers, especially those at risk for exploitation. And when it comes back to companies, it's like making sure you get this right is not only a legal, but it's a moral and ethical uh, consideration as well. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that, um, especially when you talk about uh, individuals taking being taken for granted uh, or taken advantage of. Rather, uh, you could think about you know with with an independent contracting arrangement. Let's hypothetically say someone goes to a uh, cleaning company or individual who cleans and says, "We are going to give you." as an independent contractor, $500 a week to clean our space. But that $500 per week could result in being paid out, for example, less than minimum wage in that area. If the number of hours that the person has to work to clean um, is more than what the that minimum wage would be uh, in the area. And then on top of that, you know, you're giving this $500 wage per week, but that doesn't factor in uh, transportation to and from the location or cleaning supplies or training, and, um, you know, safe, safety measures, safety precautions. So when, when you say take advantage of it, 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 it surely is in a position where, where folks could, could take advantage of people, not just from a cleaning standpoint, but even, 
at higher level uh, roles in an organization or different function uh, business functions. Uh, so so yeah, uh, the the Department of Labor is attempting to to protect the uh, the American worker. I appreciate you explaining that because I, I, I think that really breaks it down incredibly well on why this is such a hot topic. And to give you a little bit of a background, uh, and then we can dive into the, the six factors, the 2021 rule never became fully effective because the Department of Labor said that uh, it improperly weighted certain factors, like when you kind of go through the criteria and that this new final rule, uh, it consists of a six-factor, what they call economic realities test uh, to ultimately determine if the worker is economically dependent on the potential employee uh, for work or is the business or uh, is in business for themselves. So uh, to simplify that, um, the old rule, there was different criteria and they had different weights, but the new rule is criteria with like having to look at it in totality without one necessarily weighing over the other. But here's the kicker before we dive into that and Joey. This is the part that I really laughed at. So I got through um, reviewing all of the criteria, but then at the very bottom, it says, and additional factors may be relevant. Well, uh, I thought that's clear as day, right? <laughs> or, or as I've heard it said sometimes, that's clear as mud. Clear as mud. So, you know, it sounds like they're going down a, a path of clarity, but then left it open, sort of like those job descriptions that say other duties as a side, right? <laughs> that is exactly it. And I know why they put it there, but I thought, okay, this is great. We have all of this clarity now follow these steps, you should get to a pretty clear answer. But then they're also saying additional factors may be relevant. So it's like, well, how, how, like, I need guidance, like how, like, how do I consider these? So still is going to require a really careful analysis. But how about we dive into those six factors and share with our listeners? Let's go for it. Cool, cool. So I'll start off the first one. Um, the first one is um, opportunity for profit or loss, depending on managerial skill. That one, I like to think of the, and this is without, you know, deep context of the actual ruling itself, but uh, the premise of opportunity for profit or loss, depending on managerial skill, to me means, you know, is this person simply clocking in and clocking out or is this person using independent judgment so that they can uh, earn more revenue for their efforts um, an example here might be uh, the big debate around um, you know ride share or uh, food delivery and the question is, do individuals who are listed as independent contractors pass this test of um, being able to to think independently or make calls independently uh, for a profit or loss? And 
this is a new ruling. So this is going to mean all of these rideshare companies now have to c c comply with this test. I don't know that uh, a rideshare group is going to be able to argue that their uh, drivers or their delivery folks uh, independently make managerial judgment calls because so much of what is done is through the app, right? Um, and so that's going to be a tough hurdle just out of the gate for a rideshare company or a delivery group to, to win. But I could see that playing out in other places too. But for brevity and for us to move on, let's go to the, the next one. But the next one is um, uh, investments by the worker and potential employers. So uh -huh. uh, just real quickly on that one, I think that is more along the lines of um, investing in the goods and uh, or the, the products that go into delivery of the service or products um, and whether the uh, employer is, is making significant investments. So example, corporate settings, um, did you assign them a laptop? Uh, did you assign them uh, software to use? For example, do they have to use your Microsoft Word or are they free to use their Google? Um, are they required to go to your offices or can they work independently from wherever they choose because the company obviously is paying for the office um so those are some some things around there that that uh that i can think of uh but summer if you have any that you would any context you'd add around to or if you want to jump to the to the third one yeah, I mean, I, th I think I think you did a good job on, on those and we have a few to cover. So I'll, I'll keep us going to the next one, which is called the degree of permanence of the work relationship. And, you know, this one ultimately uh, looks at like, is this a project based? Uh, is it clearly defined in duration or, um, you know, is this? Uh, ultimately indefinite. And so I think, you know, where we look at it is if uh, somebody is indefinite, then you really have to ask yourself the question, like, is this truly a like contractor relationship or is it an employee disguised yeah. as a contractor? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, full disclaimer, uh, maybe I should have said this at the top, like we're not legal advice, right? This is we're just sharing information and, give, and giving our thoughts. Um, when I think about the permanence piece too, uh, I think definitely of uh, that indefinite nature. Um, but also if you put in co um, contractual things such as uh, non-compete or, uh, you know, those restrictive covenants, if you, if you try to levy a restrictive covenant on a contractor, then to me that seems more like an employee arrangement so all right cool then what's the next one well we hear we we talk about this one quite a bit when when we talk about contractors and usually uh this one in itself uh is often enough just to answer the question of like yeah that's not how we work together and i'm talking about the nature and degree of control now the word control is 
like really powerful, but in the sense of defining this relationship, what they're ultimately talking about is how much oversight, um, how much management, how hands-on is the employer with the contractor. And Joey, the example that I like to share often uh, about um, control versus not control, like control is like most everyday employee manager, employee business relationships, right? Where there's uh, a lot of guidance and structure around how things are done and when they're done. But a contractor, independent contractor relationship, I use the example of like a graphic designer, okay, no. right? With a graphic designer, you'd meet with them and say, if we were doing a logo here, really, I want you to please use these colors. I like this style. Here's inspiration. Uh, can we meet in two weeks to review your first draft? Right. So you give them guidance, but you're not managing all of the things that they're doing along the way. You're defining an end result. So, yes, you'll meet and you'll calibrate. But everything that happens in between is totally up to that independent contractor. And that's when it, like that's the difference between control and non-control from just kind of a visual standpoint. Yeah. And taking that a little further too with the control pieces, does the does the worker does the worker control when they get the job done, right? So an independent yeah. contractor might receive a scope of work and uh, goals from a client and then they can work at two in the morning for all they care. Uh but it, mm -hmm. but someone who is an employee uh, it is most likely that uh, you would be dictating, you know, where they complete the work. So, you know, in your office or if they have work or privileges uh, and you would be dictating when they should be getting the work done it would be during um, during during work hours. It's not enough to just to say that uh, a deadline creates um, uh, nature and degree of control, but it is mm -hmm. sort of like like you said, the process, the um, the steps to completing it help determine whether it's an independent contractor or an employee. Yeah. Um, the next one is uh, extent to which the work is the work performed is an integral part of the business. Now, this one to me and uh, bride share is is like the the biggie. This is like the the billion dollar question because you have to say. Do you have a rideshare platform without drivers? Do you have a do you have a rideshare business without drivers? Do you have a food delivery business without without drivers? Um, but but let's let's maybe reel that in a little bit. And then of course, um, these are all subjective and relative. And again, these are you know this is not legal advice. But maybe you have a, a temporary CFO. And um, the CFO is doing integral work in the business, or I guess maybe maybe better stated, because um, I can I can refer back to the list of California, uh, like California has its own independent contractor law. Um, let's say you have like a an accountant, or you have a sales professional, or you have a mark these integral work functions, um, you've got to evaluate, you know, of their daily tasks and responsibilities. Are they so integral to moving the business forward? 
you wouldn't be able to function without what they do. Mm-hmm. That one. And then uh, what's, the, what's the last one, Summer? Uh, the last one is skill and initiatives. And, you know, ultimately this one is considering whether the worker uses specialized skills uh, to perform that work um, and whether those skills contribute to what's called a business-like initiative. So, um, you know, when the worker brings specialized skills to a work relationship, like um, that's not like the only thing, but you know, you, you want to really be looking at like, is this worker dependent on training from the employer to do the work or are they bringing their skills with them? And that's usually where uh, there's, uh, when I'm having conversations with client, like it leans one way or the other, right? If they're showing up and they, they have this knowledge and skill and maybe they just need to use uh, like a tool within your system to like execute on it, that's cool. But you're bringing them in and you're teaching them how to do these things, that should be a big question mark. Big question mark. So as an example, you won't find Starbucks uh, having independent contractors anytime soon because there's a special way that you have to make my vanilla latte. And, uh, you know, (laughs) um, Chick-fil-A wouldn't have independent contractors because there's a special way that you have to make you know, the spicy chicken salad. Uh, so, so these are just examples that we're throwing out there. Again, not legal advice, nothing binding, just our thoughts and perspectives. But uh, all of this is to maybe challenge you or to, to challenge you to think about your staffing plans and whether you have the full, full pathway, full clearance pathway forward to hire uh, independent contractors, or if you really do need to uh, hire as employees. And of course, we can have those conversations with you. We offer prepaid HR consulting time. We offer monthly subscriptions. We're we're available and we help companies walk through challenges like this um, in in case-by-case scenarios. Uh, Some of you had mentioned that this uh, new guidance here uh, there is a listing that says, uh, you know, special special context might come into play uh, or additional factors may be re- relevant. So we'll help you dig through those those relevant factors and and help you have the proper staffing plan for for your business. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, we We went almost the whole show on this and you know what i think that that's okay because we've got about three minutes and maybe we can just have this be the show focused on on uh this new law because it is big it is a space that we play in uh, quite a bit for for the size of uh, companies that we, we reach um but kind of in like a parting thoughts question standpoint we can jump into consultant corner and and ask the question yeah, Summer, when do you, when should you start thinking about HR in your business? What's the right size? What's the right things happening in your business where you should uh, invest in HR? Well, it definitely depends on the business, but I would say that, you know, for organizations that have the means to do so, they would definitely benefit 
from the very start. And it doesn't mean that they need to have a full-time person on staff, but I do strongly believe in the type of support that we provide being very flexible and very affordable for a business just starting out. Because I'll tell you what, when you hire that first employee, right? Or like we were talking about bringing on a contractor, if you don't get it right from the start, it can be a world of hurt down the road. Yep, absolutely. And um, I, too, agree that I, I call it the founder of the dream. I think that every founder with a dream should begin to have conversations about HR topics because you've got to know that your biggest line item expense as you grow your business is going to be talent and benefits. Those go neck and neck. So why wouldn't you start from day one thinking about how am I going to afford my business? How am I going to afford realizing my dream by focusing on HR, HR matters, you know, that, and then there's the idea of, of what type of work culture do you want and how do you ensure that you get it? Uh, how do people know that they're doing a good job in your organization? So how will you, how will you measure perform? Um, you know, should you be talked out of hiring your best friends? Because that typically is badly. <laughs> so like, do you have an advisor who can help yeah. you make thoughtful decisions that don't compromise your dream? Uh, so yeah, no matter the size of the business, I think you should, you should start uh, putting um, advice, HR advice in your ears. Uh, whether it's standing meetings with a consultant like us, whether that's uh, you might have a friend or colleague who you can buy coffee and, and pick their brain, but don't start a business without HR because we have seen businesses scale to very nice levels of success. But what slows them down or, or hinders their growth is that they made some bad HR decisions along the way that they ultimately have to face a day of reckoning about. And that's never, it's never fun. So uh, from day one, I think you should, you should think about HR. Absolutely. And I, yeah. I know that we've run really long on today's show, but Joey, is uh, there anything that you wanted to add that we didn't cover so far? Well, you know, we could have gone three hours on this whole independent contractor thing because it's such a huge deal. I think there is the caveat of, uh, you know, make sure you know your state's uh, guidance on independent contracting, as well as whatever states you have colleagues or workers in. Because mm -hmm. if you, for example, are headquartered in Cleveland, Ohio, but you have uh, contractors in Denver, Colorado, or Los Angeles, California, there are some variances uh, that come into play and you should, you should know about it. So I'll just leave with that. What about you? You have any part Yeah, I think, yeah, you know, you, uh, you said exactly what I was going to say because I actually had a conversation with one of our clients yesterday who had a departing team member that they were talking about uh, as soon as she offered as an employee, they were going to bring her on as a contractor. And I was like, time out. <laughs> Let's talk about this. And they didn't realize that 
first there was this new DOL rule, but that also they had to look at what state the individual was. So, you know, meanwhile, they're thinking prior um, prior DOL rules, but then like failing to recognize, like, hold on, like there are 28 states that have more stringent uh, criteria and um, uh, what's called the ABC test, and then an additional eight states that use a modified version of that. So, like, we have to look at this truly on a case by case basis. And I think that's the biggest takeaway that I wanted to share. All right. All right. And um, that concludes this episode of While We Were Working. Thanks for being locked in and engaging with our content. If you enjoyed it, and we know you did because you reached the end. Uh, why don't you share it with some friends? Leave us a five-star review wherever you grab this uh, in audio form. Uh, drop a con- uh, comment. Uh, hit that like button and subscribe uh, on on YouTube where you'll see our where you'll see our video. So until next time, uh, see you summer, and thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone.